0: This marketplace podcast is supported by Invest Puerto Rico, build the future in paradise, Puerto Rico, a hub for innovators brimming with world class talent and a thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem. Learn more at investpr.org/backslash marketplace today. Oh, it's time.
1: I, I'm not in charge. I don't I'm hear any music. Absolutely, not I hear
0: music charge. now. <sighs> <laughs>
1: Hey everybody, I'm Kyle Rosdahl. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make today make sense. It is Friday today, the 12th day of May.
0: We made it to Friday. Finally, it was it was a slog. I am Kimberly Adams. And thank you for joining us on this Friday, which is Economics on Tap Day, which is the day that we do our YouTube live stream, which is up and running. Thanks for everybody who is joining us. And uh, we're going to have drinks. We're going to have news fixes. We're going to have games of half full, half empty. And uh, yeah. That's what we got.
1: I'm, Kai. I, I'm just I'm just looking down at my iPad where I, I've got the YouTube feed up and and I'm looking at you, and you look spectacular, well <laughs> thank lit, you. thank you, nicely uh, appointed, the whole deal, and I'm like red and orange and what the hell, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs>
0: Just accept I, it as I being like the privilege of a dude. Nobody will be mad. At well, you for that's that, I mean, there is some part. God right? forbid I show up without makeup. <laughs>
1: there, there is some part of that, and I, I accept my privilege. I just, you know, I yes. just want everybody to know I look like hell. How about that?
0: You don't look How like hell. You look that. wonderful, Kai. Very oh natural goodness, yeah.
1: and comforting. <laughs> Good. <laughs> 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 okay, moving on. We're going to get some news. I, uh, I am having a, a cup of coffee today because I got some things to do. And also I was up stupidly early this morning. This is my favorite mug, my Puabic mug. Thank you for whoever sent us that pronouncer, by the way. Uh, mm. with, uh, it, holds, it holds so much. It drained the coffee pot. Anyway, uh, oh. so I'm having a cup of coffee. What are you having?
0: I am having a sage and bourbon cocktail. It's basically just nice. sage. I, I, I had that sage simple syrup that I made last week for the lavender cocktail. Yeah. And so I used the sage simple syrup, some bourbon, and some lemon juice, and that's it. And it's delicious. And it's sage from my garden still, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Have you ever – I was at some fancy restaurant or someplace, and the guy next to me uh, was having uh, a, a bourbon, but they, like, put – they got some grass or something, and they started it like burning a little bit and then they put the glass over that and the glass got filled with smoke and they let it sit there for a minute and then they poured the bourbon in the glass. Have you ever had one of those?
0: So I have definitely had smoked drinks um, in something that is peak Kimberly. I actually just last weekend bought a drink smoker, which is this thing that you put on your drink to, like, <laughs> smoke the drinks. And I was going nuts on Sunday with my girlfriends over, and I was, like, smoking everybody's drinks. And it was amazing. Um, and I meant to do this one if I had had time. But, uh, yeah, it's a very th- – Hip thing to do at the bars here in DC is to you know smoke the drinks and give it that extra like earthiness and stuff. But I yeah. have to say, it does definitely make the drink taste better, and I'm a fan of that.
1: All right. So I yes. will, uh, next time I have the opportunity, wait. What's a drink smoker? Like, you, is it like a uh, special piece of equipment?
0: It is. It's uh, it's like a little uh, wooden disc that has a little hole in the middle with a little basket, and you stick little wood shavings down into it, and then you hit oh. them with a blowtorch, and then the smoke falls down into the drink, <laughs> and then you close it off, and then you swirl the drink, and I, when I went, I bought it at the VA Gold Cup, when I went, there was a vendor, oh, yeah. they showed me the whole yeah, thing, yeah. and so now I'll have to make a smoked drink at some point in the coming weeks, and show it off.
1: All right, let's do, uh, let's do some news, what do you like?
0: Yes, uh, so I know we've been talking on the news, not necessarily on the show so much, about the expiration of Title 42, or the ending of it, yep. I guess is accurate, and uh, the reversion to Title Eight in terms of immigration law. And, you know, the Biden administration doing everything it's doing at the border to try to limit the flow of migrants crossing the border illegally down uh, on our southern border. Mm-hmm. And now with the expiration of Title 42, they're going to be a lot stricter about people coming over, putting in new rules that people have to at least try to apply for asylum in other countries. There are lawsuits involved. Um, but... The national immigration story is one thing, but there are also a lot of state level immigration stories. Mm -hmm. And that's almost where you see these issues playing out more. And case in point, uh, Florida this week, Governor Ron DeSantis signed into law Senate Bill 1718, which will make it extremely uh, risky for any undocumented immigrants to work in the state of Florida. When the law goes into effect in July, and I'm reading from a local channel here, Click Orlando, Uh, when the law goes into effect in July, businesses could face a $10,000 fine for every undocumented employee found working for them, and the state could revoke their business license business license. Uh, and the d- hospitals, before they file for Medicaid for people getting treatment, they're supposed to check the doc- uh, whether or not the people are documented. And there are mm. all of these reports in local news in Florida and all over TikTok, which is how I saw it, mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. abandoned construction sites. And homes that have just people just stopped showing up for work, even though this law is not in effect yet, people no longer showing up for work and production and construction and home building all over the state just kind of grinding to a halt. And yeah, somebody music the gateway in the YouTube chat was just saying, Florida will grind to a halt in July. And, you know, there's always the argument that people make about immigration. It's like they're taking jobs from American citizens or they're pushing down wages. And I imagine we're going to be hearing very loudly from business owners in Florida in a couple of months that it's not that Americans don't want to do these jobs. It's that they won't do these jobs. And Industries like construction and agriculture rely so much on the labor of undocumented immigrants. Now, in an ideal world, there would be a pathway to work visas and documentation mm-hmm. for these folks. And they'd be paid livable wages. But the reality of the situation is the reason everybody's orange juice is so cheap is because That's right. That's there are right. Right. undocumented migrants right. working in orange groves and strawberry fields and all other types of agriculture in this country at wages American workers would not do those jobs for. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say the exact thing, but the front end of it, but uh, Florida's about to do the back half and find out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, Those of you who don't know what Kimberly's talking about, text me and we'll we'll set you straight. Look, this economy is screaming for workers. It is screaming for workers. And the idea that politicians are taking the short-sighted political move, I know I'm expressing what is really false outrage here because I'm not outraged because politicians do this all the time. But it's just, it's so self-defeating because they are going to get clobbered later on by, as Kimberly said, businesses looking for labor. It's just amazing. It's just I amazing, mean, truly,
0: not to mention you know the the human part of it, which is that there are gonna be people who are big parts of the communities in Florida who've been there for a long time working and yep. now are probably gonna leave the state. and oh, yeah. that's that's gonna be something else.
1: So yeah, yeah.
0: all right, what you got?
1: All right, so I've got two, one of which I just kind of love, and then the other one uh, of which is is more substantive. I I love the fact that the other day I reported on Marketplace that uh, olive oil prices are elevated. And now today, (laughs) or it was actually earlier this week, comes news out of Italy that Italian pasta prices are up 16.5% in April over 12 months earlier. Pasta in Italy, 16.5% price increase. That's double the annual rate of inflation over there. It's amazing. Pasta producers are apparently saying that it's because the pasta that's hitting the market now is, be, was made when input prices were a lot higher. And so it's all yeah, going to work itself out. Yeah, I was thinking that out, Ukraine
0: the, might be right, baked right, into that.
1: Exactly. Exactly. But wheat prices are falling. Wheat prices are falling. So there is some of that. But the Italian government, I'm just going to read you the lead on the CNN story. Italy's government convened crisis talks on Thursday to investigate the reasons behind a surge in prices for pasta. I mean, come on. Inflation is a global story. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. It totally
0: is. I wonder how much (sighs) Starbucks had to do with the olive oil shortage, you know, since they've got their new Oh, have you had one of those? Uh, I don't think that would be good for my digestion in a public place.
1: (laughs) Okay. So for those who don't know what we're talking about, Starbucks is advertising (laughs) and has advertised and is rolling out in selected markets these things called, I think they're called oleatas. They're coffee drinks with olive oil in them. And I was out with my wife a couple of weeks ago. We were in Old Town Pasadena and we were killing time before the movie or whatever the hell we were doing. And we went to Starbucks and, and the very nice young gentleman behind the counter sold us on this idea of trying a little shot sized thing of these oleadas. My wife had like a vanilla latte with some olive oil in it. And I had a straight up latte with some <laughs> olive oil in it. Zero out of 10, do not recommend. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> just do not do it. Just do just, not do it. It's that's, so that's horrible. Yeah. And I'm a big it's, olive oil guy. I, I use olive oil on basically everything. But, oh, man, forget it. Not in your coffee. <laughs> anyway.
0: And I'm not a coffee person anyway, so.
1: Yo, that's true. That's true. That's that's fair. Uh, anyway, yeah. I just want to, there's, there's an article in, in Bloomberg, one of zillions out there, talking about what happens if we do default or Janet Yellen has to uh, prioritize payments or what. Mm-hmm. Um, take your pick on whatever might happen. And I just want to point out, that things are already happening in this economy. We talked about them, uh, I think, last week on um, Marketplace in the Friday Wrap. Kate Davidson brought up the one-month Treasury bill. So here's just a quick quote, quote from Beth Hammock. She's the co-head of global financing at Glo- Goldman Sachs. She said on Bloomberg TV, you're finding that investors are preferring to have securities that are going to mature toward the end of May rather than anything that matures in June, right? Because Janet Yellen said one June is conceivably the date. So you get mm-hmm. these dislocations, which are just really inefficient in the markets and create extra costs for the taxpayers. Taxpayers are now paying a higher rate for issuing one month bills than they really should have to because of this. So even though we're not seeing it in equities, we're not seeing it broadly, there are slices of the markets that are already being affected by these inefficiencies and by these frictions and the idea that we're just going to be able to skate out of this even if a deal happens tomorrow is not and we're not a deal is not going to happen tomorrow. Simply is not true. Mm-hmm. And I just, people ought to know that. People ought to know.
0: Michael asks in the YouTube chat and in Discord, I see you doubling up there, uh, whether or not they can even prioritize payments. Mm -hmm. And yes, they can. If we actually were to breach the debt limit, then they would start spending only what the government brings in in revenue. What do we bring in in revenue? So that would be, um, you know, maturing bonds and things like that, or that's not right. It's, um, help me. Tax receipts receipts is what we bring in. Yeah. The
1: tax receipts. Thank you. Uh,
0: tax receipts. No, there's other stuff. Uh, also revenue from, um, things that the government owns. So the government has leases. The government has, Mm -hmm. um, you know, even like revenue from parks and things like that. The government brings in revenue lots of ways, the main one being, yes, tax receipts. They would use those tax receipts to start paying certain bills, whether those be maturing bonds, which is my brain was all mixed up mm-hmm. there, whether they be maturing bonds, uh, interest on the national debt, etc., cetera, uh, or social security payments or something else. Yeah, they have to pick and choose. Oh, Thank you, Steve. Revenue from PACER, I guess, is a government income. Didn't know that. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah. So anyway, the government would only be able to spend the money that it's bringing in in real time. And that's not enough to cover all the government bills. And therefore, they'd have to make some choices.
1: The catch is that I'm, Mm. I'm exaggerating here, but not by much. The catch is that when we pay our bills, it's not like Janet Yellen sits down at her desk and gets a checkbook out and writes a, she looks at a bill and writes a check for that bill and looks at a bill and says, oh, no, I'm not doing that one, right? This is all automated. And our systems are designed to pay the bills when they are due, not to mm-hmm. have to pick and choose what we're going to pay. So can we prioritize payments? Sure. Will it be frictionless? No. No, 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 no. So there we go. That's what I got.
0: And it's sort of like, what are you going to do about military salaries, as someone points out in the chat? You know, you're going to be – they're probably going to be serving regardless because folks are dedicated to their country. Mm -hmm. So does that mean they drop down the priority list in terms of who gets paid right away? It's going to be unpleasant if it happens. Yeah. Okay, uh, on that very positive note there, uh, that is it for our news fix. We're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we are going to play around round of Half Full, Half Empty, and I hope you all will join in.
1: Half full, half empty. We go through some news topics from the week. We tell us how we tell you how we are feeling about them. Drew Jostad is in charge. You may begin, sir. Are
2: you half full or half empty on Elon Musk hiring Linda Jakarino, formerly of NBC oh. Universal, as the CEO of? Is it Twitter or is it X? X.
1: It? It, well, it's X, but a subsidiary of which is Twitter. But that's inside baseball, I
2: think. Uh.
1: Go ahead. You
0: I just go? don't care I heard anymore. A deep sigh. I don't care anymore. Um, I I was reading this this week about all of these um, sort of digital historians are literally trying to archive Black Twitter because there mm-hmm. were so many cultural moments that only existed in that space, and they're very worried about them going away forever, right? And so, they're, how do you archive those moments? Um, Half empty, I don't think it's salvageable at this point.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure uh, it is. I think it's interesting that he has chosen an ad person. She used to her name is uh, Linda Yacarino, and she used to, until yesterday, uh, be the head of ads at NBC Universal, and it's clear what Musk is trying to do, which is to rehabilitate advertising on that platform. I don't know that she can do it. Uh, I'm a hanger-on, but obviously, as we've talked about, my usage is way down. I'm, I'm
2: half. How about that? I'm half. That's it. That's what I got.
0: Okay.
2: Yeah. All right. all right. Half full or half empty on the end of the COVID public health emergency.
0: Hmm.
1: Uh, look, I'm I'm half full. If we can all remember that that this disease is still killing uh, hundreds and hundreds of people uh, per week, per month, uh, and it's uh, it's still a real challenge for a whole lot of people out there, especially the immunocompromised and other people with with limitations. Um, but I I, th- I think what's happened is government policy has caught up with the population, right? Because the population's over it.
0: Yeah, I agree with that caveat that you gave. I have to say, even though I know our health insurance will continue to cover the COVID vaccine, I went to get a COVID, my booster shot a couple of days ago, mm-hmm. right before the mm-hmm. emergency ran out, just to make myself feel better. And I, I felt that booster. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, then- yeah. This morning, when I woke up, one of the first things I saw on my phone was that the
1: um, yes. yes, the
0: proximity alerts were yep. shut were turned off. The yep. what did what did we yep. call them? The thing on your phone that told you of exposure alerts. Right. The exposure right. alerts had been deactivated. Oh, that's why that uh, happened. <laughs> yes, yes, because of the end of the public health emergency. The government is no longer paying to maintain those systems, which means the states aren't going to pay for it. And uh, thank you, Marco, for exposure notifications. Uh, Yeah. And and it was a very like, it was a little moment, you know, almost like a bookend Mm -hmm. of the feeling that I had when I finally got to go get my Johnson and Johnson vaccine. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that felt like sort of, the beginning of what could be the end. And this felt like a little bit of a coda, even though I know it's not really the end, but those were two very distinct moments for me.
1: Yeah. Uh, You know, it's interesting. So you mentioned booster. I I think I'm up to speed on all my boosters, but honestly, I've lost track of where we're supposed to be. So that's item number one. Also, there are a couple of people in the chat. Jennifer Pierce says, no, I got COVID this past weekend at a wedding. Somebody else to save the scrolling. Uh, A family member just got it. So it's still out there and it's still real. You know,
0: and Keeley Remedios says that my mother just died from COVID eight weeks ago, and yeah. it's exactly what Kai said. I'm so sorry yeah. for your loss, um, but yeah, this is still I, <laughs> one of the leading causes of death in the country. Yeah. And I was reading in Axios the other day that we still lead the world in COVID deaths, yeah. which yeah. is just awful. And I'm so sorry, Keeley. Yeah, it's wild.
1: Uh, Which one are we on, Drew? Is this four or five? Three.
2: (laughs) 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 Never mind.
0: See, this is what happens when you don't drink, Kai.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. At a location in Columbus, Wendy's is reportedly introducing an AI chatbot to take orders at the drive-thru. Are you half full or half empty?
0: I'm going to go half full on that. I think that is a. A reasonable use of AI. It's a low lift. Uh, I understand that that will be taking jobs from people who do those jobs. But um, I think that this is not something that's going to go away. We may as well figure out now what those jobs are going to be and start adjusting our economy. And I'd rather it be a job that... um, tends to be a transitional job for a lot of people than someone's career job. So I'm going to go half full.
1: I will uh, I will go with that. I do wonder how it's going to work. You pull up to the Wendy's drive through and what happens? Do we know? No, yeah, I, I, we. I don't think we know. Yeah. We don't All right, know well, you know, whatever. Anyway, yeah, what Kimberly yeah. said. I agree with everything she said.
2: All right. Half full or half empty on chocolate for Mother's Day. <laughs> what?
1: Oh
2: man.
0: Uh, half full. Unless sure. Unless your mother is you diabetic. Against chocolate Day? <laughs> yeah. Unless your mother's diabetic. right? <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, yeah, sure. I See, there's a link. Let me. Let me. it's clearly, we've missed something. Let me look. Okay. Uh, let's Who did see. The story? Oh, Nicholas. It looks there. like. Yeah. Yes. So Americans are expected to spend thirty five you did this story yesterday, Kai. I think it was your final or something. Didn't you do this well, as a final? We're gonna spend thirty six billion to, oh, dollars.
1: But I guess I guess yes. Nick Nick wrote it out. Anyway, sorry.
0: Yes. It's a nice lengthy story there. Uh, expected to spend thirty five point seven billion on their mothers, um, chocolate, sure. Yeah, half full. If your mom likes yes. chocolate, get it for her. Sure. Get her all the things to that she wants, uh, yep. and, and also including you know the people who stepped in who may not be biologically your mother's but helped you out. Give them candy mm-hmm. or flowers or other things yep. that they like. Time, a phone call, cards, um, attention. Do some yard work. I don't know. Whatever.
1: Yep. Yes. All right. We ready right. with the poll.
2: There we We're go. We're ready with the poll. Let's do it. Are you half full or half empty on tipping at a self-checkout machine?
1: Oh, so interesting. I have thoughts. I have thoughts.
0: Mm. Can you give your thoughts before the poll or will it tip no, the scales? No,
1: I, I will not give my thoughts. will tip the scales and we have, we have promised not to do that.
0: You will not tip the scales. Uh, in the meantime, let's see what everybody else says about it.
1: Yeah. Um, so for those of you on the live stream, weigh in, right? We're going to take a little poll on this last one. Um, Kimberly and I will hold our fire until, uh, you know, mm-hmm. like a minute, minute and a half, whatever. Uh, and then once again, we'll try to figure out how the poll works on this gizmo.
0: Oh, uh, my gosh. Yeah. Why Why Amir has some uh, um, pretty strong feelings yeah, about this, kidding. too. <laughs> um, yep. Uh, not tipping, clearly. And uh, lots of people are empty on this. Okay. People yep. don't like the idea of tipping on a self-service kiosks. Uh, hmm. Yep. Oh, that's a interesting point. Debbie Donovan says, can't we just pay food prep workers enough? Because there is always the back of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, livable wages. Uh, they're about to start rolling out the implementation of D.C.'s tipped minimum wage law. Uh, oh, are they was such uh, a huge deal here because the a couple of years back, people here voted to raise the tip minimum wage over time up to the actual minimum wage. And then oh, wow. the D.C. City Council overturned the will of the voters because they said it would be too damaging to the restaurant industry. Oh, and man. so then the supporters did another round of ballot measure to get it. They did another wow. round of like – Um, signatures to get it back on the ballot again. And it passed with an even higher percentage the second time around. (laughs) And so over the next couple of years, tipped workers in D.C. are going to be moving up to uh, the actual minimum wage. And um, yeah, so that's happening.
1: That's great. great. The the federal tipped minimum wage, by the way, I learned this probably a year or two ago. The tipped minimum wage at the federal level is $2.13 an hour. Which blew me away. Blew you me know,
0: away. It was really interesting watching that debate here because D.C. has a lot of very expensive restaurants and mm-hmm. a lot of very rich people who tip very well. And so you had lots of people in the restaurant industry advocating or push, you know, advocating against this initiative because – they can easily pull in a thousand dollars in tips a night, you know, and other people mm-hmm. can't though. So anyway, the poll yes. is done and it looks like tipping at self checkout. Wow, half empty ninety-one percent,
1: mm-hmm.
0: half full at eight percent. I don't know that we've ever had that much of a
1: yeah. of a yeah.
0: distinct answer. <laughs> All right. Yep. What is your take, Mr. Resdal?
1: So if it's truly self-service, I will not tip, right? Uh, I appreciate the back of the house workers. I appreciate all that stuff. If it is Starbucks and I pay with my card and they turn the thing around and whatever and they ask for a tip, I'll I'll give them 15 or 18%. Uh, In person, I'm a 20% tipper because my dad was a terrible tipper and I carry some legacy guilt on that one. Um, Mm. And and that's where I am.
0: My... Feeling on that is if there is a human that like is involved in prepping the item, I will tip at least something. So whether it's you put my Chipotle burrito together or Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. mixed my salad or you made a sandwich, yes, you get a tip. But if I walk into Pret and you hand me a prepared sandwich and a bag of chips – I'm not going to tip
1: for that. They Um, they don't even hand you the bag of chips and you have to pick it off the shelf and you you walk over, right? And and they they hand you the little thing to wave your card at, right? That's what they do.
0: Well, and I got yelled at when I was at Pret with uh, Nancy Fargali uh, when she was in D.C. the last time because I spilled something and they didn't want to give me napkins. (laughs) I was like, wow. (laughs) Oh, man. I was like, I'm sorry. Anyway. Okay. That is it for us today. Thank you, everybody, for participating in the poll. Yes, we did it. Made it through. And, but we can't end the show, of course, without reminding you that it is day two of our May fundraiser. And we have, as we say, done the numbers. Pause for (sighs) You know,
1: slow clap.
0: We've done the numbers. We need to raise $350,000 to stay on track for this fiscal year. As Kai mentioned yesterday, you know, you only have to look at the news to see what's going on in our industry. And there have been cuts across the board. And it's only y'all's support that keeps us here and in this chair, keeps Jasper fed. And uh, you know, we are not immune to the current economic climate. And we're doing the best that we can to keep bringing you The content and the news and the information and the context that matters to you all. So we do recognize that not everybody can give right now. But if you can, we would be so grateful. And it is really important. And yeah, you can give now to support Marketplace. This show in particular, if you want to give us our props, you can go to marketplace.org slash give smart. And yes, of course, we have new thank you gifts. Make Me Smart is produced by Courtney Bergseeker. Today's episode was engineered by Juan Carlos Torado. Drew Jostad wrote the theme music to Half Full, Half Empty, and also hosted it. And Antonio Barreras is our intern.
1: The team behind our Friday game is Mel Rosenberg, Emily McCune, and Antoinette Brock. Marissa Cabrera is our senior producer. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcast. Francesca Levy is the executive director. Period. I'm kidding. I'm gonna say digital and not man, <laughs> just because that's the way I read. <laughs> Context. Come on, gotta give the full thing. Yes. That's Context.
0: Context is key. That's what I'm saying. Happy Friday.
1: Happy Friday, everybody.